Blue Wire. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of The Rebuild. I am Henry Ettinger with a special guest today to get an early look at the NFL draft. I always love to do this right before free agency because, you know, free agency is going to fill some of the holes. But as you start to think about your team's draft, they all kind of work together. So very excited to bring on Chris Trapasso from CBS Sports. He's an NFL draft and young player analysis there. He's also a member of Blue Wire with his podcast, The Prospect, covering all things NFL draft. Chris, how are you doing this morning? Doing really good, Henry, and I'm excited even in mid-February to talk NFL draft and get team-specific. It's fun uh, to analyze a draft class comprehensively, but when you can really zero in on team needs and what positions a specific franchise is probably going to zero in on, it's a lot more fun to get even more specific with these prospects. For sure, for sure. And as I said at, at the top, that's why I like doing this kind of at least you know, on this podcast a little bit early is because free agency and the draft kind of are, are together the offseason, right? And so because mm-hmm. free agency starts in March, you, you have to have the draft in mind as you analyze your team's moves. So that's why I wanted to bring you on and kind of dive into these things is some of the holes might not be filled in free agency and Browns fans might be thinking, oh, what are we going to do at safety, linebacker, corner, whatever it may be. And it's like, well, there's still the draft upcoming in April. Uh, and mm-hmm. so, Chris, to start us off, at the number 26 pick, the Browns have not picked as late as 26 in a long time. We got to start there. That's certainly going to be a different theme of this draft. But defense is the focus for this team. They basically had Miles Garrett and Denzel Ward. And then I think most Browns fans would say at every other position, Players are at least available for some competition. I see you having Jalen Phillips out of Miami currently mocked to the Browns, a D lineman. That is music to my ears. I have been clamoring for the Browns to get a D lineman to help Miles Garrett out. Talk to me a little bit about Jalen Phillips out of Miami as a potential prospect of the Browns at 26. Yeah, I think he would be a home run pick for Cleveland, and I do think he'll probably be available there. So he's a name that Browns fans and your listeners certainly want to kind of Uh, get familiar with he was the number one recruit coming out of high school a few years ago went to UCLA uh, had a few concussions retired from football and then transferred to the University of Miami and looked like a former number one overall recruit this past season for the Hurricanes Uh, looks the part he's like 6'5 260 very athletic kind of has a sleek build to him And he really checks all the boxes for me. I actually have him graded a little bit higher than this, but there's not like right now, there's not a lot of buzz for him to go like in the top 20 or top 15. I think it's because we really only saw him for one season. Um, But the athleticism, the burst off the snap, uh, powerful hands that he knows how to use. Well, I think he would be a perfect compliment to miles Garrett. I don't know if he can come in and be that number one edge rusher, but if you have most of the attention still on miles Garrett, I think Jalen Phillips can be a really good one a um, to replace Olivier Vernon there on the Browns defensive line. Uh, and he just seems like a player who's probably going to be available in the late twenties when the Browns go on the clock, he can even drop into coverage a little bit too. Cause he's, he's kind of this stand-up linebacker uh, and is someone that I think some teams will make, We'll maybe have him as a second or a third round pick because of that only one year of production. But in terms of his athleticism and just his refinement with his pass rushing moves, I think he is a late first round pick. 
Are there any concerns? I, I you know, as just for some backgrounds for the listeners, you know, I, I watch college football quite a bit, but I'm not locked in on it like Chris. I've heard a story before at Miami, right? The concussions, mm-hmm. the retirement, all of that. I, you know, I, when watching some Miami games this season, are there any concerns about that kind of long term that, hey, if this guy gets another concussion or two in the NFL, if he's got some other injuries, maybe he, you know, you know, he, he's in a situation where he could hang it up very early. Like we've seen with a couple of players over the last handful of years start to retire a little bit earlier than people might think. Yeah, that's a really good point to bring up. And I think that's why he is going to be available later in round one. I, his film to me is of top 15 or top 20 quality. Like he really checks all the boxes that I look for in an edge rusher prospect. And I think most people, the speed, the burst, the length, the ability to use his hands and win with counter moves. Uh, he's a good tackler. He sets a strong edge against the run. So I think the one-year production and then those multiple concussions and the fact that he already did essentially retire from football at UCLA before coming back, that's probably why he would be available. So yes, there would be some risk with that selection, but he is the type of player that the Browns need opposite Miles Garrett. That's who I've been clamoring for the Browns to take, just from a general prospect perspective. Somebody to help out mm-hmm. Miles Garrett. I looked at the Super Bowl. You know, the Browns obviously yeah. have the Bills in mind, the Chiefs in mind, and you look at the pressure that front four for Tampa Bay generated. To me, that's the biggest team need is somebody to come in opposite Miles Garrett and, and do big things there. They may address it in free agency, but I, I suspect, like you do, that it could be in the draft. Your colleague, Ryan Wilson, uh, also had a D lineman, but it looks like it was more of an interior guy, Levi Onwu Zariki. Apologies if I did not pronounce that correctly. Out of Washington. Uh, and and he, he looks more like on, on the D tackle side of things. And that's not a huge surprise either. It looks like Larry Ogunjobi is going to be walking away from the Browns. They had Andrew Billings potentially as a replacement, but he didn't play this year because of COVID. So nobody knows what's quite going on at that position as well. What did you see out of the Washington Husky this year? Yeah, he's a really complete prospect that at Washington, uh, they played him at nose tackle at times at like six foot three and 285 pounds. And he held up against double teams really well. And then he actually opted out in 2020, but in 2018, that's where he mostly played in 2019. They gave him some more opportunities at that kind of pass rushing spot three technique, which is like the outside shoulder of the guard. And you saw the burst, a nice swim move, a nice swipe move. Like he understands that he needs to use his hands to beat blockers. Um, And just that positional flexibility that you can really move him up and down the line um, had a really good week at the senior bowl. So Levi on I believe is how it's pronounced um, is someone that if the Browns do want to kind of replace some of those interior players, or they have some question marks there, I think he'll be available uh, late in the first round and would be a, just a, a high floor prospect that, you know, because of his strength, his production from the nose tackle spot and defensive tackle um, and his frame six, three and two ninety. That's a pretty good size for the modern day defensive tackle. I don't think this guy has much bust potential at all. I think he's just going to be a solid pro um, once he gets into the NFL. As far as, you know, it, the, to me, the thing that's always concerning it, it with the D tackles is obviously the sack numbers aren't high. You know, they're not going to be as high as D ends, but two sacks in two years at Washington. I worry about that a little only from a, a pro- 
you know, a, a value of a replacement, right? I think that's the whole mm-hmm. issue with the Browns and Larry Ogunjobi is, is to me, Ogunjobi was a decent run stopper, but not generating pressure. I, I don't think was as appealing to this very heavily analytics, you know, focused front office. So I'd be surprised if they go the D tackle direction in the first round, but I saw that name out there on in a couple different places. So I wanted to, to pick your brain about him uh, as well, because I just, didn't see a lot of him playing on the West coast this season. As far as other edge guys, there's a couple edge guys I've seen also thrown out kind of in that area of the Browns, Carlos Basham jr. Out of wake forest. I've seen thrown out there as well. There's a a couple others uh, again, with the pronunciation Aziz Ojulari uh, as well. I've seen mocks to the Browns. Any other names jump out to you as far as another potential edge guy that you like that could potentially be available at 26? Well, the the two that you brought up, I don't know if Aziz Ojulari from Georgia uh, is going to be there because you watch his film. He's a little on the smaller side, like 6'3", 240. And to me, he is the modern day edge rusher that not a tremendous run defender because he kind of gets pushed around because he's a little smaller, but super dynamic burst bend uh, ability to flatten to the quarterback has a few pass rushing moves. I think if we were to have a combine, he would have blown up at the combine. He's probably going to have ridiculous numbers at the Georgia pro day. I would be surprised if he was there at 26. I think if he was the Browns should pick him immediately, even if Jalen Phillips were there, because I think his pass rushing ceiling is even a little bit higher. Again, you're maybe not going to play him every play on first down, but second and third downs are really where you're going to get value out of him. And Carlos Basham, I think, will be there. Uh, he's like 6'5", like 280, 285, and he has played literally from nose tackle all the way out to like stand-up linebacker at Wake Forest in that he is so athletic, um, has amazing bend for his size. Is it as good as someone that's 240? No, but you're really surprised when he can really corner those uh, offensive tackles and flatten to the quarterback. And when he wants to, his motor runs really high. There's just a handful of snaps each game where he just looks very complacent, like he's not giving as much energy as he probably should. But if you want to kind of kill two birds with one stone, you can draft Carlos Basham, play him inside on early downs, or use him as an interior rusher, um, and maybe even use him at defensive end on first down and let him set an edge at 285 pounds as your defensive end opposite, you know, miles Garrett, who's this freak of nature. So Carlos Basham, I think there's a better chance that he's available. Um, and he gives you a little bit more flexibility, a little more inconsistency, but old is a name Browns fans should familiarize themselves with because he could be there. I just have a feeling that his athletic talents and how explosive he is are really going to push him up boards as we get closer to April. Yeah, he could absolutely be one of those people that as they get further away from the season, he rises up. I see you have a mock all the way at number nine. So that's uh, obviously he would be way out of reach for the Browns at that point. I I think Basham Jr. is an interesting prospect just because I something I found very interesting about the Super Bowl that that people didn't really talk about a whole lot is Vita Vea, the big D tackle for the Bucks lined up outside several times in that game and caused a (laughs) lot of problems. And it was one of those overlooked storylines because they had other pass rushers doing good things and everybody, it was like, it was a jailbreak, right? So if it had been a closer game, maybe there would have been more focus on the details, but I found that really interesting, that versatility, the motor questions in college are always difficult for me to gauge because some of those guys, it's just, you know, 
it's a product of them being on the field more, them you know, not getting pushed as much as the coaches as the star. Sometimes the vi- the variability in terms of the score is so much greater in college. Yeah. I know Miles Garrett had those same questions coming out of college, and I don't really see that in the NFL, but sometimes you definitely see it out of other players. So that's the difficult part. Yeah, that's a really good point to bring up about the motor with Carlos Basham or really any other prospects that Basham was getting first or second round buzz after his 2019 season where people realized like this guy has filled out. He's six, five, he's two eighty, Um, he's a crazy athlete. So he was kind of a surprising player to return and then decide not to opt out and actually play at wake forest. So when I watched his film, it was a little bit of a negative to see those um, let's say lethargic reps, but then at the same time, to your point, I think it's a good one that maybe he was like, you know what? I, I don't need to go full bore every single snap and I'm going to kind of make some business decisions if the game is out of reach, whether Wake Forest was winning or in most cases losing. Um, that's kind of baked into his grade too, why I still think he's a late first round pick because like you mentioned with Vita Vea, I think he can beat uh, interior blockers with his quickness and his hands and then on the outside, when a 6'5", 320-pound left tackle is usually having a 50, 60, 70-pound weight advantage, and then they see 285 coming at them at 6'5", with a lot of speed, it kind of gives you, a, a you know, it's surprising for those players. And I think that's why Vita Vea lined up on the edge and was able to win because he could match the power of those tackles. I think Carlos Basham, not necessarily Vita Vea, but gives you that same type of flexibility inside and outside. That versatility is something that is very appealing to me. Chris, I have one more player I really want to ask you about. Zayvon Collins. Out of Tulsa, he's a linebacker. I would be surprised if the Browns took a linebacker in the first round. Just given that the tendencies of this front office, it seems like it's going to be rolling with the same group or a veteran free agent kind of at a smaller price. But I've seen him mocked to the Browns in countless different places if the Browns are to draft a linebacker in the late first round, he seems like the name people are zeroing in on. I haven't seen him play at all. I've seen some YouTube clips, some highlights, but that's really it. He played at Tulsa. I didn't watch Tulsa a single game this season. I just want to be honest for the listeners. So (laughs) I don't have an opinion at all of him. Is he somebody that is like your traditional, like middle linebacker type in the NFL, or do you see him slotting in a different area as far as the team concept going forward. Zayvon Collins is fascinating playing at Tulsa. And, and I think a lot of people are in the same boat as you that they didn't watch a lot of those games this year. Tulsa was pretty good. Um, He's not a traditional middle linebacker. Uh, I think he's a traditional outside linebacker that you do want him off the ball because he's a great athlete. He's six, four, like two fifty, two sixty. 260. But he's traditional outside linebacker in the sense that he can rush the passer a little bit too, that at six, five or six, four, two fifty, um, with his athleticism, he can threaten with speed around the edge. Now, does he have uh, a defensive end amount of pass rushing moves? No, but just the size and the speed that he can convert some speed to power, um, around the edge, I think will be really interesting. He had four picks last year, uh, and all three seasons at Tulsa, he was very productive as a tackler tackles for loss, Um, had eight past breakups in his career. So he's someone that wins and is so highly sought after right now because of this size and the athleticism uh, combination. So if if the Browns do have this analytical 
um, front office that likes the production and likes the athleticism and size. I think Zayvon Collins, um, you know, he is playing linebacker and you're saying that they're probably not going to go in that direction, but if he's sitting there and, and some of these names that we've already discussed are off the board, I think he's another player that is very high floor because of his athletic talents. And he is the size kind of reminds me of Anthony Barr a little bit that, and mm. could do a lot of the same things where Anthony Barr early in his career was a great pass rusher and was a really good uh, or and has been a good compliment to Eric Kendricks in Minnesota, because one's the smaller, speedier type. The other one can really run with tight ends and can rush the pass around third down. That's kind of what you're getting with Zayvon Collins. That's, that's good stuff. I, as I said, I didn't see him at all. So that, that to me is appealing. I, I know a lot of people out there listening to the show will say the Browns need a lot of linebackers. I just think they need to play the right linebackers. Uh, I thought there was some miscalculations in terms of who was getting the snaps as far as I'm a big Jacob Phillips fan from their, uh, from last year's draft. I thought he played very well this season and I think he should be featured more on this team. And and so I think, as I said, I, I would suspect maybe some lower level free agent additions. I think Mac Wilson's probably not long for this team as well. So I, I, and they've got some other young guys. So I'd be surprised, but I'm seeing a ton of people mock a linebacker to them. So I wanted to pick your brain a little bit there as far as potential, uh, you know, options there. But there also, of course, are the mid-round picks. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Browns straight back from 26, even, as I said, analytics focus front office. You see them sometimes do that with the late first rounders uh, to get out of there and get more mid-round picks. As I said, Chris, the, the focus is mostly defensive. As far as mid-round pass rushers, is there a name that stands out to you where if the Browns go in a different direction in the first round, there's somebody that the you know if the Browns take them, Browns fans should get excited about in the middle rounds as far as somebody that can play opposite Miles Garrett? Yeah, if we're talking like starting third round, fourth round, um, and this guy could move up the board a little bit during the pre-draft process, Remember the name Peyton Turner from Houston, six foot six and two seventy, and on film he looks like an old outside linebacker that played for the Pittsburgh Steelers, like in the nineties. Like he has broad shoulders, very filled out, and then you watch him rush the passer, and he's twitched up. He's very athletic at that size, has a good amount of pass rushing moves um, as well. Is he the, the smoothest athlete and super agile? at the edge rusher spot compared to someone like Ojulare who's six, four and two or, and like two forty-five, No, but he has NFL size. He has an NFL athleticism and at a lesser program or, you know, playing lesser competition at Houston had uh, five sacks, 10 tackles for loss, a handful of pressures gives you a little bit of positional flexibility because he is six, six to 70. Uh, he's just someone that, ticks a lot of the boxes that is not getting a ton of publicity. Now Peyton Turner from Houston. uh, I think he would be a great pick, especially if the Browns want those check marks to be size and athleticism. I think he would be good opposite miles Garrett. You can see he definitely has, has a a big frame, right? Six, you know, six, five, six, five, six, six. I mean, he's got kind of all the measurables of your classic, a little bit thicker, kind of defensive end type. So certainly uh, an intriguing prospect there. And, and you would expect, it seemed like the Browns like to take some bets on some guys with physical traits 
last year. We only have one year of track record for Andrew Barry. I feel like that's the, the challenge a little bit for Browns yeah. fans. And the need at like offensive tackle last year was so glaring. And with four tackles at the top, you're just like, okay, they are taking yeah. one of these tackles. <laughs> like we, like we are focusing on these tackles at, at, at all costs. So this will be a little bit of an interesting draft, I think, to feel out his philosophy a little bit more. As far as this draft in general, as we talk about the mid-round guys, yeah, I, I think the Browns are certainly going to want to add some depth at like safety and corner as well. I don't expect them to use high draft picks at those positions. But as far as just those position groups, would you categorize the depth as better than an average year, worse than an average year as kind of the, the secondary goes in this draft? I think cornerback is about as good as it normally is. It's it's solid in terms of its depth. I actually don't think in terms of top end talent with like Patrick Sertan and Caleb Farley at the top. Um, I don't think the top end talent is great, but I think middle round, second to fourth round, fifth round at corner is good. I, I don't think safety is that great. I think if the Browns do want to uh, add some depth at the safety spot, they should probably do it a little earlier third, fourth round, as opposed to fifth or sixth. Um, it's not, there's a fair amount of these safe, you know, strong safety linebacker hybrids, but in terms of safeties with great coverage ability with that range, with the ability to match up in man coverage, I don't really think it's there. I mean, I haven't gotten through every single safety prospect yet, but it doesn't seem as though there's as many safeties as there normally are uh, in terms of just quality depth later in the draft. Well, well, then let's turn to corner really quickly because a report came out this weekend that the Browns are not going to be interested in Richard Sherman, who I, is somebody I was hoping the Browns were going to take. Uh, as I'm, I want them to add somebody a little bit more physical opposite Dan, Denzel Ward, uh, but certainly I want them to add somebody there in general at the corner position, even as early as kind of their the second and third round. Any names there that you like as far as the depth? Because I... I've seen a lot of the corners at the top and I'll just be honest. None of them have really impressed me a whole lot, which is why it's hard for me to get excited about a pick at 26 with a cornerback. Yeah, that's what I said. I mean, there's Patrick Sertan, there's Caleb Farley from Virginia tech um, that are probably going to be the first two corners off the board. There's JC Horn from South Carolina. Those are probably the three somewhat penciled in first rounders at this point. Um, and again, I don't think, any of them are like these elite prospects that are going to come in like Denzel Ward did as an early pick and be good right away. Um, but in terms of second or third round, if you do want length, you want physicality, there's two players. Uh, Tyson Campbell from Georgia was a mm -hmm. big recruit, uh, like 6'2", 6'3", even close to 200 pounds. Uh, Jalen Waddell got him on a just vertical route where he kind of stumbled in the middle of the route. It was like a 75 yard touchdown in that game this year. Besides that, it's hard to find him giving up big plays down the field because he is so good at the line of scrimmage. And I think even SEC quarterbacks were a little afraid throwing the football his way because he has such a big radius to get his hands on the football. So, you know, speed and athleticism and size combination, he's going to check a lot of those boxes as a big recruit. And then Afetu Melifanwu from Syracuse. His brother, Obi Melifanwu, was picked in the second round in the 2017 draft by the Raiders. Dealt with a bunch of injuries, but was a freak athlete. I think he still has, like, the world record for, like, longest broad jump. Like, him and Byron Jones were right up there wow. um, at the combine. Like, crazy broad jump, vertical. 
I'm assuming that his brother, Afetu, in this draft class is going to be that similar type of athlete that at the Syracuse Pro Day, we're going to see a sub four five for sure, around a 40 inch vertical, crazy broad jump. He's a very explosive and he's like six, two and a half and around 200 pounds. And his film, you would normally think that a bigger corner like that is going to be a little stiff and have trouble against those quick twitch wide receivers. Is he going to be able to run with Stefan Diggs from the slot or Cole Beasley? No, but I think he has pretty good athleticism and loose hips, loose ankles to be able to stay with those receivers who can separate. And he's just really long. There's a lot of production from him on film because he, again, like Tyson Campbell and like Richard Sherman um, at that size, even if he doesn't have perfect coverage where he's in the hip pocket, of the wide receiver, he can get his hands on the football. I think those are second or third rounders that could really come in and be a starting cornerback number two right away as a rookie for the Browns. I saw a lot of Tyson. I saw a lot of both of these guys, actually. One of one of my high school classmates played a lot of Syracuse football, actually, and was there a little bit later. Uh, and so I, I've seen a lot of Syracuse football over the last couple of years. And Tyson Campbell, of course, playing in the SEC, has been on national TV uh, a number of times. Tyson Campbell is one of my pre-draft crushes, if you will. Somebody I've circled as somebody I want the Browns to take just off of my limited watching. And I'll have to dive into a little bit more of his film prior to, to the draft. But as you mentioned, the physical traits for me, I love those corners with size that can tackle. And Denzel Ward's been great for the Browns. But he's a little bit limited against some of those bigger physical receivers. And they have some challenges with that because they've got Chase Claypool in the division, right? Who they're going to see yeah. two times a year. They've got mm -hmm. several other, you saw that, you know, Denzel Ward ended up on, on like a Travis Kelsey every once in a while, you know, mostly through his own coverages and stuff and picking up Kelsey, but he really struggles to kind of bring Kelsey down in those circumstances. Right. So to have somebody else on the opposite side, that could be a different style. It is something I would really like the Browns to look at. Yeah. For as much as the NFL has kind of transitioned to this separation based league that like the bigger, the Des Bryant, the Jordy Nelson, the Brandon Marshalls, the Calvin Johnson have just either retired or just kind of gone by the wayside. And that teams want these smaller receivers who can just get open and are good after the catch. I do think it to what you just said is very important to have a compliment at your cornerback spot. You don't want two corners that are six, two, two, 10, uh, but aren't super agile. And you don't want two corners under six foot um, that are going to have problems when they're matching up with Chase Claypool or with T Higgins or with Travis Kelsey or some of the bigger corners or bigger wide receivers. So I think it would make sense for the Browns. They have their twitchy man-to-man uh, -man cover guy in Denzel Ward to get some more size at the corner spot. For sure. And then, and I, I thought that was a staple of the Bucks secondary in particular. Yeah. And, uh, going back to the Super Bowl once again in, in their defense. Certainly, yeah, I don't think their secondary guys are all extremely talented, but I thought they had a lot of versatility back there, speed versus size. And, and that gives you optionality as a defensive coordinator. And, and that's something the Browns certainly lacked this year, just at, at really a lot of different positions. But Chris, the last thing I want to talk about and really turn to is the offensive side of the football. We've talked, of course, a ton about defense because that was the major issue for the Browns. I think everybody nationally saw that in the Chiefs game while Patrick Mahomes was still in that one. And you could see it basically every time the Browns were on in big spots against the Ravens, they struggled to get stops, all that stuff. 
But, but there is one thing on offense people have kind of been going back to is something that this Browns team could be missing. And that's a speedy wide receiver. They've got Jarvis Landry in the slot. He's a great possession guy. Richard Higgins is another great possession guy who's a free agent, but a lot of people think might return to the Browns. Odell Beckham, of course, has a lot of speed, but coming off the ACL injury, that's, you know, he's not necessarily going deep on every play. So that's the one position I could see the Browns addressing on the offensive side of the football outside of just general depth. And as far as this draft is concerned, are there good options as far as a speedy downfield threat for this Browns to take a look at? Yeah, I think there is. And especially in those middle rounds that if they have bigger priorities uh, early on defense van linebacker corner that we talked about safety, I think like third to fifth round would make a lot of sense for the Browns and there will be the value there. I mean, one other thing that Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham are both 30 plus years old, like, like they're not young players um, that you're building for the future around. I mean, certainly if the Browns are in win now mode, they can rely on, on those two to be quality players. They got some flashes from Donovan Peoples Jones, who certainly can be a downfield threat. Uh, but I think adding a wide receiver third to fifth round, maybe even sixth round um, would make a lot of sense. Tylen Wallace from Oklahoma state. Uh, I think is one of the most underrated wide receivers in this draft class, because he's not someone that is going to run 15 different routes and uh, change direction six times to get open but he had 205 catches in college and averaged almost 17 yards per grab. Like that kind of production is proof or proves that he is a vertical threat. Um, I don't even know if he's like a four, three guy, but he is so good beating press at the line. And he plays a lot bigger than like six foot or six one, because he's so good in those contested catch situations. I think he's like deceptively fast. Um, he's the name. I think that would be a perfect compliment to kind of like you said, to have Odell Beckham, to have Jarvis Landry as your possession guy, um, and then let Tylen Wallace just take the lid off the defense, even if he's just running clearing routes to create more space underneath for Baker Mayfield. Um, a few other that I'll just highlight quickly. Anthony Schwartz from Auburn um, only averaged 12 yards per catch in college, uh, but everything about his profile is speed. I mean, it, like any – Auburn game you would watch they would do a little segment in between plays about that he's a track guy and he had a crazy fast time in the 100 yard dash and he's thin he's skinny but he is very very fast I think you know when it comes to running routes and he's not the best catching the football but he will threaten just being on the field because he is that fast um, two others Jalen Darden from North Texas he's kind of more of a gadget type he's twitchy you can use him uh, on jet sweeps, you can get him the ball underneath. He's going to be able to separate. Uh, but I think he's really fast, too. It's kind of hard to tell watching his film, you know, playing at North Texas. Um, but after the first three seasons that he looked strictly like an underneath threat that could get open with his quickness, he averaged 16 yards per catch and had 19 touchdowns in 2020. So I think for a smaller, lighter player, I think he really can get down the vertical route tree um, and threaten those safeties over the top. And the last one from the big 10, Amir Smith, Marset Marset from Iowa. Mm -hmm. uh, he was productive all four years at Iowa. They used him a lot in the jet sweep game. I think that's a good indication that the coaching staff understands how fast and explosive um, a player is when they're used as that kind of gadget type 15 yards per catch in his career is pretty good. Uh, he's a little bit lighter, but a lot of the big plays, and certainly Iowa wanted to run the football and, and use play action. But when they did hit 
the downfield plays. It would be run play, run play, run play, run play, and then a deep shot to Amir Smith-Marset. I think, again, he's like 175 or 180. He's not big, but fifth or sixth round, if you can get someone, again, with those traits that would add another layer to the Browns offense, I think any one of those four players, Tylen Wallace, Anthony Schwartz, Jalen Darden from North Texas, or Amir Smith-Marset from Iowa would be very sensible options for Cleveland. As a Big Ten guy, uh, I went to Northwestern. I grew up an Ohio State fan from Cleveland, Ohio, originally. I have seen a lot of Smith-Marset over these last four years. Uh, and, and actually, some fun matchups, too. Northwestern has, has a couple of secondary players that have been very promising. You know, Greg Newsom, I'm sure, yep. will be talked about in this draft for some people. Uh, maybe not necessarily the Browns, but I'm getting off tangent. I know my listeners don't care about Northwestern football. But I've seen Smith-Marset <laughs> a lot uh, and is somebody I could definitely uh, get behind if the Browns took him you – know, I, it's tough for to gauge where he's going to go right now. I think I yeah. see him at 95 for you guys. Uh, just, I mean, that's cbsports.com rankings, but it, and once you get into those middle rounds, it, it certainly seems like there's a lot more variability as far as players go. Wallace is a great, great looking prospect. I'd be surprised, honestly, if the Browns took a receiver as early as I think he's going to go, but I think yeah. it'll be a little bit later on in the draft. We'll see. I, I wouldn't be upset if the Browns spend every single draft pick on defense, which is not really my my usual philosophy. I'm a big fan of always getting a line depth. I think the Browns could use that. But in this particular case, they, they need a lot of help there. Well, I think the one point that is good coming off that philosophy, just to go full defense, to go Carolina Panthers and go all <laughs> your picks on defense, is that we know that with Kevin Stefanski and this scheme, it creates really efficient offense that any quarterback from this Kyle Shanahan or even Mike Shanahan, you want to say that that coaching tree, that offense with the zone blocking scheme and the bootlegs and the play action, you're going to get an efficient offense. And the Browns have the pieces on their offensive line. They have Nick Chubb. Baker Mayfield rebounded after kind of a down sophomore season um, and was very good in 2020. So, yeah, they could add some low-level free agents. They could draft Smith-Marset in the fifth round. Uh, and I think they could just run it back with the offensive personnel that they have and then get some defensive pieces to be able to deal with the Bills and deal with the Chiefs and deal with the Ravens in the division uh, to let the Browns take that next step in going from the divisional round and maybe get deeper into the playoffs. So even though we are in this, you know, passing renaissance in the NFL and, you know, get as many weapons as you can get and draft tight ends and running backs and wide receivers. I think the Browns are an interesting team in that they already proved that they can win double digit games. They can win in the playoffs with the offensive personnel that they have and the scheme and the head coach in Kevin Stefanski that is going to get those results every season. Yeah. And to me, that's what makes this draft season different and more exciting from covering it. I'm used to you know, watching the season. And, you know, as I said, I watched some college football during the year, but then really diving into that, you know, top 10 or 15 pick the Browns have usually had and who's going to be available there because that's uh-huh. what everybody wants to talk about. And so uh, I'm watching, you know, hours of film on like, you know, uh, you know, five, six guys at the top, whatever. And this year I feel like, okay, we've got a head coach. We've got the quarterback situation settled. Like, you know, the offense is going to be okay. You can kind of start branching out a little bit, start kind of taking a bigger picture, look at the draft, start researching more mid-round prospects. I am very excited 
for this offseason because despite the fact that there is uh, less turmoil in the Browns situation, that gives me and I think, uh, you know, fans of, of the team a lot more leeway to start getting into the draft sooner, getting into the mid-round pick sooner and all of that. So, Chris, thank you so much for coming on. This was a great initial look at, at the draft here in February, and we'll have to have you on again closer to it uh, once we know a little bit more about the Browns' needs and all of that. Yeah, I think jumping back on post-free agency to see what holes the Browns filled would be good to kind of be able to zero in even closer on some of these draft prospects. But thanks for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. Chris, before we go, just real quick, tell all the listeners where they can find you on social media and where they can find all your great work on the draft. Just on Twitter, at Chris Trapasso, T-R-A-P-A-S-S-O. Uh, and at cbssports.com slash NFL slash draft and the prospect podcast every Tuesday and every Thursday here on the blue warrior network. Absolutely. It's great stuff. Chris, appreciate you coming on as always. We'll be back on this feed with an episode, probably on Thursday. Originally I I had Chris slated as the midweek episode, but Valentine's day and, and some other things kind of shuffled around our schedule a little bit this week. So ESPN Cleveland's Jordan Climac will be back with us on Thursday. This episode's going to go up on Tuesday. Chris, as I said, thanks so much for coming on and until next time Browns fans, just two words for you. Go Browns.